That movie sucked. I kind of liked it. Movie Night Crew Network. Standing in the doorway, illuminated by the shivering flames in Lupin's hand, was a cloaked figure that towered to the ceiling. Its face was completely hidden beneath its hood. Harry's eyes darted downwards, and what he saw made his stomach contract. There was a hand protruding from the cloak, and it was glistening, grayish, slimy-looking, and scabbed, like something dead that had decayed in water. What's up, potheads? Welcome to the restricted section, in which a bunch of nerds with potty mouths reread the Harry Potter series for the umpteenth time and discuss how the story and its themes have stayed with a generation into adulthood. Thank you for listening. If you haven't done the reading, don't worry, we did it for you. Here's what we are talking about today. Chapter 5, The Dementor. This chapter finds the Weasleys, Harry, and Hermione on the train to Hogwarts, where they have a very surprising and dramatic encounter with a Dementor, one of the guards of Azkaban. Harry faints. Finally, they get to school, and they get to have their start-of-year feast. Welcome to the Restricted Section. It's me, your new English teacher, Christina. Just kidding. I'm your host, Christina, and this is the Restricted Section. Brooke, how are you doing today? Doing okay. You know, uh, it's been a day. I finished hate wrapping presents, so that was fun. <laughs> that is very relatable. You know when you get to the end of present wrapping and you're just like, put a fucking bow on it. Go, go, go. <laughs> you're better than me. I just use like bags and tissue paper when it gets to that point. <laughs> My brain just won't let me. I do enjoy, like, making a perfectly wrapped present, but the process of getting there is a bitch. Wow, this is going to be really old news when this comes out, because it'll come out, like, after Christmas, and people will be like, for the love of God, stop talking about Christmas. (laughs) For people listening later on in the world, remember when there was a brief moment of time where we all had joy and peace and love? (laughs) No. (laughs) Grace, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Feeling a little jealous of Brooke because I haven't even gotten all of my presents yet that I need to get. So I wish I was hate wrapping at this point, but I'm not even there. So working on it. Feeling stressed. It's fine. <laughs> this is fine. <laughs> Everything's on fire. This is fine. <laughs> but yes, I'm, ha- I'm very happy to be here. Hell yeah. Our very special guest today is Bex Carlos, podcast editor and host of Tutia Bruja podcast. Welcome, Bex. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk Harry Potter. Hell yeah. We're glad you're here. So tell us a little bit about your very hairy history. Yeah. So, okay. The movie came out when I was in fifth grade. So that was 2001. So I remember before the movie came out, I was like, well, I'm going to read the first one and see what it was all, what this is all about. And I got hooked (laughs) like everyone Mm -hmm. else. And, you know, after that, I was just, you know, contemplating me and Daniel Radcliffe's wedding. You know, he never met me. He never Mm -hmm. loved me. Mm -hmm. He's sorry. Um, But yeah, after that, I mean, I've been a fan for a long time. Even um, I I was lucky enough last year um, was the 10 year anniversary of LeakyCon. So I got to go to that in Boston. That was cool. That's awesome. Um, Yeah. So um, I, I just really love Harry Potter. I 
know that the books, you know, have their issues and whatnot, but there's that nostalgic place in my heart. I don't think it's ever going to go away, you know? Yeah, I think we're all on the same page with that. And that's part of why we're here is to talk about why it's special and why it's problematic. (laughs) Yeah, 100%. So what Hogwarts house are you in? Oh, I'm a Gryffindor. Oh, cool. What, What parts of your personality do you feel are like Gryffindor? So I'm very courageous. I'm always like sticking up for justice and truth so there's definitely that part um but also like i got a little bit of the the look at me's sometime which i think kind of (laughs) goes in hand uh with a gryffindor is that you're you know you have those qualities to be very like good around people and social and charming but at the same time like i think sometimes that can come off a little overbearing or too much for people and i'm also just kind of like in that in that sense of like i have to be right a lot of the time you know so I I represent that remark. So we're here to talk about chapter five of Prisoner of Azkaban, The Dementor, which when I read the chapter title, I was like, oh, I think that's a shorty. And it is not. No, ma'am. This is a very long chapter. Yeah. But it's like a fairly long chapter in which nothing new happens for the most part. It's a lot of them like discussing things that they already know. That was something that I realized, like, because I haven't reread them in a really long time. And, it, you know, this is book three at this point. Why are we still having to be reminded who, like, McGonagall is? Why are we I still know. In, in Hagrid? <laughs> and all, you know, like, I'm like, I, I think I know at this point. Yes. But. I don't know. My favorite is when they remind you of what the four houses are. Like, that's not an intimate part of why people even like these books. Right. <laughs> Remember how everyone's always fighting about these points? <laughs> yeah. But I did like how tonally different this chapter was from the previous chapter, The Leaky Cauldron, because the previous chapter was Harry floating around at Diagon Alley for a month and then like getting into some shenanigans with his friends. And it's like, oh, we're so like warm and snuggly here. And then it's like, well, here's the murder monster. (laughs) Yeah, definitely like cold as death in this chapter. Not warm and cozy anymore. Yeah, like this is a Halloween, not a Christmas chapter. Yeah. Also, you get an intro to Lupin, which I'm sure we'll talk about later, but he seems like he is not okay. He is not okay. Well, and I'm wondering if it is literally a full moon. I think well, so. Well, okay, let's, yeah, we'll, we'll get to it. Yeah. He, he seems deeply not okay. <laughs> well, also, and like, you ha- like, something that I try and remember is because, you know, we read these books when we were kids and now we're late 20s, 30s and stuff. So it's like, Lupin was in his late 20s and most late 20 year olds are not okay, <laughs> you know? Yes, that <laughs> the existential <laughs> dread is uh, coming in, coming in hot. So the chapter starts with time for school. Gotta get up to go to school. Tom wakes up Harry because I guess that's their alarm system. Um, (laughs) We've talked a little bit about Tom and about how they make him a gremlin in the movies. And he seems pretty normal in the, well, in the Sorcerer's Stone movie, he seems pretty normal. And in the books, he seems pretty normal. But then they also call him toothless in this. And it's like, why is he toothless? I think he's just an old dude. Like, I think he's just real old. Okay. I just thought he just, like, lost his teeth. But magic dental work. True. He has stories. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm assuming that, like, even magic dental work comes at maybe, like, a cost. Uh, and as someone who has worked as a manager of accommodations, it pays less than you think. <laughs> but the Leaky Cauldron is the only place for every student at Hogwarts to stay while they all have to go shop. 
people like flew powder in and like flew powder home. It's not a thing where you like have to drive there or something. It's it's a less involved travel method. So I doubt many people are like hanging out. He should be charging people to use his fireplace. I hope oh, he does. Yeah, me too. I think the fireplace is paid for in soup purchases. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> I was about to say mandatory two drink minimum, but I think a mandatory soup purchase is more appropriate for a bunch of uh, middle schoolers. Yeah, and I also think that um, if he is supposed to be, uh, you know, non-human or whatever, like, I, I would picture whatever creature he is to have teeth. Yeah. You know, like a gremlin would have teeth. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I'm using the word gremlin really, um, like, Loosely. euphemistically. <laughs> it's just like like a non-human, like, <laughs> I, what, I, what's happening? So, Percy is still mad at Ron, but now he's mad because someone dripped tea on his picture of Penelope Clearwater. You know, his girlfriend. (laughs) Girlfriend in italics. (laughs) I want to know what motions she's making in that picture, because you know the picture moves, so, like, what is she Mm. doing? I think blowing a kiss, like the classic hand blow a kiss. Well, she's currently hiding. Because of the blotch yes. on her nose. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I just wish we knew more about Penelope Clearwater. Me too. I like her. <laughs> Fred and George congratulate Ron for continuing to bother Percy. Well done, little brother. We've taught you so well. But they're probably just trolling him because, like, they probably did it them damn selves. <laughs> yes, for sure. Then we get a little bit of, like, classic Weasley family off-to-school chaos. It's not as bad as it was at the beginning of Chamber of Secrets. That was a nightmare, like, montage of trying to get in the car. This one's a little more organized. They are just running around the Leaky Cauldron trying to get ready. The cars arrive, the cars that the Ministry of Magic has sent to them. Mr. Weasley personally marches Harry out and across the Muggle Street to get into the car. He is being heavily supervised, let's say. Yeah. I love that the ministry people show up in like green cars and like an all green suit, which just goes back to like Cornelius Fudge. Like maybe he's not an outlier. Maybe he's not the only one with a preference for dramatic outfit choice. Yeah, he does wear a lime green bowler. So maybe that's just like a brand. I think this is the (laughs) uniform. (laughs) Real quick before we move on, since we're kind of still talking about like the antics of the leaky cauldron and stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Just something, um, because we talked about this precast about magic and uh being a practitioner and whatnot i really get bothered in harry potter about how loosely they talk about love potions Mm. yeah they play it fast and loose sometimes they do they do and it's like the double standard that like women are the ones who are really doing them or whatever and it's all like fun and games when that's done but a love spell or a love potion if you will is like essentially like a magic roofie Mm mm-hmm So it's, I don't know, it's just like as someone who practices magic and knows like that those are like something you really shouldn't fuck with, I'm just kind of like, JK, why why are you doing that? Well, especially because we hear Molly Weasley talking about it and it's like, what are you doing, Molly? Yeah. Yeah. And they're described as like being really giggly. And so it totally makes it seem like a really silly thing. And it's like, actually, uh, that shit is very serious. Yeah, it romanticizes it. Well, and we do get to see some of how deadly serious it is later in book six when we get to meet Voldemort's family, his mom, Mm -hmm. and she gives the love potion to Tom Riddle Sr. 
And that really backfires when he comes out of it. That it goes to show that, like, this isn't real. Yeah. Scary danger. It's funny. And when I went to LeakyCon last year, there was like a whole conference about that specific topic because it is seen as such a, oh, you know, this is like, haha, it's a, it's fun. It's games. It's, when Tom came out of it, you know, he didn't know. He totally. And, and, and he had a kid. Yeah. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Oh, my God. What like a nightmarish thing to be like, oh, my God, what have I done? <laughs> That's a life ruiner. Yeah. Don't fuck with love potions. Don't do it. I feel like it's similar to how like in 51st Dates, you know, she's like, you have to just oh. like stomach the fact that she wakes up every morning like pregnant and not knowing what's happening. And wow. I cannot think of a more horrifying way to live my life. That is so true. So it's really funny that you said that because that was like the first thing that popped into my head, 51st Dates, and how like, you know, she doesn't remember. But then yeah. he made that movie for her, you know, like it, it, it helped, I'm sure. He really did his best. Yeah. Adam Sandler in that movie. That's one of my favorite movies. So I'll probably be an apologist for it for all my life. So where are we? Um, King's Cross Station. Their drivers unload all their stuff. Mr. Weasley is obnoxiously some would say prohibitively close to harry's person <laughs> i think the expression is like at his elbow mm-hmm. yeah up his butt yeah <laughs> he even escorts harry through the barrier which is probably part security measure part punishment for fucking up so magnificently the year before <laughs> like you're getting through this barrier i bet molly weasley brings ron through I also liked how they did it. They, like, both, like, leaned on it and, like, like kind of fell through. And I was like, what? That's kind of funny. And in the previous two years, they've taken it at a run. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess you could do it very discreetly. <laughs> I, like, I, I feel like that's honestly the way you should do it. <laughs> like, what a wasted cinematographic moment, though, where, like, we didn't get cool, like, falling through the divider shots in the movies. Yeah, that would yeah. have been awesome. So they all get onto the platform. Percy sees Penelope and goes off to get to like get be with her. And just a little note that Harry and Ginny lock eyes and they're like, ah, he has a girlfriend. Isn't that like so funny? Remember that you caught them making out and like maybe we'll make out someday. <laughs> I definitely clocked that Ginny Harry moment for sure. I mean, this is so small, but it is these kinds of tiny details that I think people who have only seen the movies have a hard time understanding why Harry and Ginny do go well together. But it's all these little moments. They have a really similar sense of humor. Mm -hmm. I don't know. This is so small, but it it grows. Yeah. And they're so young at this point. It's like it's all about this. These little funny things. Well, and honestly, it's a fucking breakthrough for Jenny because she (laughs) is so shy around him. (laughs) So good for you. Also, I just feel like book Jenny was so much cooler than movie Jenny. So cool. She's the coolest character in this whole. She's cool as a cucumber. Yeah. Yeah, I love her. (laughs) Feminist icon. So Mrs. Weasley starts handing out sandwiches. Mr. Weasley pulls Harry aside during the sandwich chaos and is like, well, I guess I have to tell you something. And Harry's like, bro, don't even worry about it. I was eavesdropping last night. So you don't even have to break your promise to not tell me this shit. I already know. So good job. You did great. They're just like talking about it. Harry's like really, he keeps talking about how unafraid he is. Yeah. And I just wish he wouldn't. Like if there's this, like a mass murderer coming to find you, just like be afraid. I just feel like... <laughs> Like, his lack of fear is making everyone else more afraid. 
Yeah. They're like, you're not understanding the situation, man. Yeah, and, like, Arthur's like, Harry, please promise me you won't go looking for Sirius Black. And Harry's like, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life. Why in hell would I ever do anything like that? And it's like, well, first of all, you're taking this information, like, very strangely. You keep insisting that you're unafraid, and you have a history of going to find trouble. So, really, I don't, your reaction here doesn't make any sense to me. Well, and, okay, at this point, does he know that he's the one that's killed his parents or has that information not been given to him yet? No, that happens okay. later in the, oh, um, the hog's yeah. head. It's like so dramatic. Hey, was that friend? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. And that's why I think that Arthur's like, you have to promise me that you won't go looking for him because I think that yeah. Arthur thinks that when Harry finds out that Sirius, quote unquote, did this thing to his parents, killed them, not did this thing, killed them. Um, <laughs> Um, and so I think that, like, that's why he thinks he's going to go and, and, uh, and go after. And here's the thing is, he's exactly right. Because after, he was their friend! <laughs> Harry's like, I'm gonna find him! And I'm gonna kill him! <laughs> and it's like, god damn it, you are such a fucking Gryffindor! Stop it! Yeah. Well, and, and here's a question is... Do we really believe that Hermione has never in all her reading encountered the information that Sirius Black was Harry Potter's godfather? Listen, I'm starting to think that maybe like she wasn't always as thorough with her stuff or maybe there wasn't always that moment where she was as bright as she anticipated because moving forward a little bit, they're all in the dark and nobody thought, not even Hermione thought to pull a Lumos. because that's what i kept thinking in that whole part i'm like for someone who's so bright what the fuck furthermore for someone whose specialty is portable fires yeah right that was a very extended chaos scene um that could have been helped uh definitely by light maybe her wand was in her trunk still but i think it's really stupid that's something that happens in these books is like oh i left my wand in the common room and it's like why the fuck (laughs) I would never go anywhere without my wand. What's wrong with you? Even if you're not allowed to use it, just have it for emergencies. Yeah. I do like that we get a little moment of Harry maturing here where, like, Arthur's treating him like a damn adult through this conversation. He's like, hey, look, here's information. Like, okay, you know this. Do you know this? Like, hey, I need you to give me basically your word as, like, an adult human that you will be smart about this. Well, and I would argue that we see Arthur believing that Harry is becoming an adult. And I think that what we see is Harry falling short of that expectation. I mean, because he does go back on all of this. He's like, I'm going to murder that guy, even though I promised all these people. And like, I'm not even afraid. I can't think of anything less threatening than getting a death threat from a (laughs) (laughs) 13-year-old. Who's like crying in the snow. (laughs) It's just like... It feels like playing video games in, like, a group party with someone you've never met, and they're like, fuck you, man, I'm gonna kill you, and you're like, who the fuck are you? (laughs) (laughs) My iPad in my notes automatically capitalized The Godfather, like the film. Wow. It's like, you idiot, this is a proper noun. (laughs) Um, the train's leaving, the train's leaving! Arthur, quickly, come on, I have eight children, I really need your support with this one who isn't even mine. Please get him on the train. Um, So Harry gets on the train. And 
he is like, Ron, Hermione, I have to talk to you. Ginny, we're going to need you to fuck off, okay? (laughs) And she is like, fine, bitch. And she goes away. She has friends. She's always very popular. Yeah, she's like a popular girl. She's pretty cool. And I just like that, like, we get a little sass from her. She has so much personality in the books. Ugh. God, that's my Ginny. That's my girl. (laughs) (laughs) That's my daughter. (laughs) You bitch! <laughs> Wait, I really prefer the delivery of that as ya bitch! <laughs> they go to find an empty compartment. They can only find one at the end of the train because they're like the last people on the train. They find one with a sleeping, shabby looking wizard in it. He is fucked up. His clothes are old and he's, he's like visibly poor and sick. Like you could... He has gray hair, and as we discussed, he is, like, um, quick math. He's, like, 33, and he's, like, gray. Um, So I really think that this night or last night was a full moon. I completely agree with you. Honestly, if this night was a full moon, I'd be like, I will be at school tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah. So I think maybe last night was a full moon, and he didn't get any sleep, and he's exhausted. Because he, for the rest of the scene, basically is in, like, the deepest... He needs a prince to come kiss him awake. Like, that's how asleep he is in Dementor this. is on its way. <laughs> <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> Disgusting. Oh. One thing I thought was interesting is that um, it says, you know, Professor R.J. Lupin on his case. And, like, so did he teach somewhere else? Oh, interesting. I think it's like, because it says it's in peeling letters as well. So I imagined it as like a very like peeling old RJ Lupin and then just the word professor and like a label maker just like popped on the front. (laughs) That's cute. I also imagine like James and Sirius getting him like a prank gift when they're younger. Just like, all right, professor. Wait, I love that. Let's, Let's go with that. I love it. So Harry proceeds to tell Ron and Hermione everything, um, you know, like all the things. Like, I'm someone wants to murder me. Ugh, old news. <laughs> I don't know. I probably wouldn't do that in front of a strange adult. I don't know. Whatever. Azkaban here seems to have the exact same lore as Alcatraz, where they're like, well, no one's ever escaped. And when it happened, it was a big deal. Yeah, Sean Connery escaped that one time. That's a great movie. I know it's not, but I love that movie. Anyone? The Rock? Anyone? Sean Connery. Escapes from I don't know what you're talking about, but I, in my mind, my headcanon for that is that Sean Connery is in fact a wizard and he got (laughs) sent to Alcatraz. Hermione is scared and also makes Harry promise not to go looking for trouble and he gets really defensive. I think this is the third time that he's heard this, like, don't go looking for this guy and it's his best friend. So he kind of lets his feelings out a little bit and he's like, why does everyone keep saying this to me? It's just, like, a total lack of self-awareness. Like, if someone was like, Christina, I'm going to need you to, like, lower the volume of your voice. I wouldn't be like, why are you saying this to me? (laughs) It's like, oh, this is a thing I know about myself. I scream. Wait, wait, wait. Are you drunk in this instance? Because I have (laughs) lived that before, and I can tell you that you do not take that kindly. (laughs) Whoa. Whoa. Nice. Can't bluff in front of your best friends. They're going to call you out. <laughs> um, okay, so I guess I'm Harry Potter. <laughs> wow. Griffin Pup. A Griffin Pup. I'm a Huffledore, which <laughs> oh, sounds sorry. like D- Dumbledore's little brother. <laughs> 
Hermione's just, they're all right. Everyone else is right, Harry. And you're gonna do this despite all the warnings. Uh, whatever. He like cannot stop bragging about how deeply unafraid he is as if that's like helping the situation. Le- I think you said, Grace, that like the more he says he's not afraid, the more concerned other people get. So do we think there's any chance that Lupin is like faking sleeping at any point? Either that or he's on some shit, man. Because, like, how do- I've never been able to sleep this well on public transit in my life. I have, but I was on a bus once for like 24 hours. So I was just like, gotta make this comfy. And I can sleep through anything. So I, too, am a pretty good bus sleeper. But I think if, well, you have to remember that he was in like a silent compartment Fair. and then like, Three kids came, and a cat and a rat came like spilling in. Like I would, I think even my deepest sleeping self would react to that and wake me up to be like stranger danger. If you're correct, and this is post full moon, it might be he might have taken like a sleeping drought. That's a thing that exists. Yeah, I think that's really like the only answer. And then like I don't know, maybe it like wears off just in time for the Dementor to come. I don't know. One thing I did remember, like, or I didn't remember about this scene is how mean Ron was to Crookshanks. And as a cat owner, like, I get it. He has a pet rat or whatever. But as a pet owner, I'd be like, Ron, you need to, like, watch yourself around the pet. (laughs) I like them more than I like you most of the time. He's definitely a dick about it. But also this cat jumped on his head yesterday and, like, attacked him. (laughs) So maybe he's just, like, not a cat person. He needs to warm up a little bit. I think that both Ron and Hermione, the Scabbers versus Crookshanks fight escalates so much over the course of this book, mm-hmm. because eventually we think that Crookshanks has eaten Scabbers, and they're both so ridiculous about this fight the whole time. Truly, I think they're both, because like, I know Ron, Scabbers is like the only thing he has in the world, but like, he is... He's just a shitty normal rat who, who the lady at the Magical Menagerie already told you he's dying. Yeah. And he kind of goes a little silly with it and is like, he's dying because of this cat making him crazy. And it's like, well, both of y'all are wrong. And then Hermione totally gets cat mom brain, which I can relate to. I'm a cat mom. I get it. Oh my God, this fuzzy little murder demon. I love him. Um, so they both are just very silly this whole time. They're also like 13, so. Yes, and a 13-year-old with a cat is like, (laughs) I love him! (laughs) (laughs) There's something that I deeply love about this conversation, and it's that they're they're talking about, like, the possibility of Harry going to Hogsmeade, and Ron's like, well, Sirius Black's not going to attack him while we're there. And I'm like, (laughs) Ron, you are two 13-year-old children. And, like, Hermione calls him out pretty fast. But honestly, dude, you are not a deterrent. Yeah. And also, Ron, he has just missed basically an entire year of schooling because his wand was broken all last year. So I don't believe he knows how to do any of the spells they learned how to do last year either. It's really just Hermione and... The strength of Ron's friendship, Samwise Gamgee status, standing in between Harry and Sirius Black. It reminds me heavily of, like, you know, your shitty ex-boyfriend who's, like, trying to fight someone who thinks he looked bad at you at, like, a club or something. (laughs) And it's like, God, please just don't. Let's just, let's just run and hide. (laughs) Yeah, just like, hey, babe, you're just not that scary, okay? We're gonna go somewhere else. (laughs) Oh my God, that's like, um... 
There's a recurring Key and Peele skit um, with Megan. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? (laughs) (laughs) And there's like that one where she's like, okay, you know what? If you're just going to continue to be a little prick, you're going to get your ass kicked. That's the one too where it's like, left your jacket, Megan. Oh, throw it in a river. Why would I do that? I don't care. I'm over it. Fine. Oh my God. (laughs) Following her to the edge of the world. (laughs) Where's my jacket? I have your jacket. Do you want it? No. So just before the Hogsmeade chat, um, the sneakoscope goes off. Yes, Ron hears a noise coming from Harry's trunk. It is the sneakoscope saying, red alert, red alert. So what is it reacting to, though? Because I'm I'm really trying to figure out, like, how the sneakoscope works, because, like, why wouldn't it just be going off the whole time? Because, like, Scabbers is there, you know? Here's what I think. Okay. I think that, imagine you have a phone... Um, like, imagine it's, like, an old flip phone, and it's at the bottom of a trunk of clothing, and it's vibrating. You know what I mean? You, like, wouldn't really hear it if you're, like, talking, but, like, in a silence, you'd be like, wait, what's that weird noise? And that's kind of what I picture here, that it's, like, being kind of quiet, because it's really muffled, and then, like, in a moment, they're like, wait, what is that noise? Mm, Okay. I mean, it's reacting to scabbers for sure, but we don't we don't know that. So Ron's like, "This is just a cheap piece of shit," and every time I hold it, it goes haywire. And he still sent it to Harry, which is like funny. He's like, "Well, this is for sure broken." Anyway, happy birthday, best friend. <laughs> Do you think maybe it's reacting to Lupin not actually being asleep, perhaps? Ooh, interesting. Yeah, maybe. I think it goes on to continue to malfunction in air quotes. So I think scabbers is part of it. Um, but, but then to Grace's point, why is it not just like always popping off? I think it is always popping off. I feel off. like it's, it's like, it senses like thoughts or something. Cause like vibes, it's, it's a vibe it's, sensor. I think it's sensing <laughs> bad vibes. So like it, just before it goes off, they're talking about, um, serious black, serious black and all that is, you know, a crack of shit. So it's like, Whoa. so Peter, so Scabbers is just there like, oh fuck, I'm going to get murdered because I'm a human. And the sneakoscope is like, woo, woo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I really like that. <laughs> a woo. That's the noise that it makes. How could they not hear that, Christina? I want to be able to set it to celebrity voices like my Alexa. <laughs> Wait, you can do that with Alexa? Yeah, you can do Samuel L. Jackson. There's one of Tara Reid just warning you that a Sharknado is coming, which I have set to my morning. Was oh she God. in Sharknado? Yeah, she's like oh, yeah. the main bitch, Tara Reid. I was going to say, I believe it. <laughs> what else is Tara Reid doing? So Ron stuffs the sneakoscope into a pair of Uncle Vernon socks, which I highlighted. Um, we were talking about that. I don't remember why. Something about Harry's socks. Why were we talking? Oh, because he. we were trying to figure out how he could fit Tom Riddle's diary into a sock. And then we were like, they were probably gigante-sized <laughs> Uncle Vernon hand-me-downs. Confirmed. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he puts it back in the trunk. And Harry does not think about it again for quite some time. So, yeah, Ron starts daydreaming about Hogsmeade. He says we can maybe get your sneakoscope fixed there or get you a new one or whatever in Hogsmeade when we all go. Because I've been so loved all my childhood that I can't even imagine a guardian who wouldn't sign this for you. 
Honestly, speaking of, hard miss on Harry not thinking to have Mr. Weasley sign it. Do you think Mr. Weasley would have, considering? I think not. Yeah. I think not. I think that under different circumstances, he would have done his best. But I think this year, he would not have. But Harry should have asked him. Instead, he goes, he's like, oh, I, just, I guess I'll ask McGonagall. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, like, so stupid. Yeah, it's dumb. Although I don't, I don't remember if he does go ask McGonagall. In the movie, he definitely does. And I conflate those things in my head. But... Ron does suggest it. Um, So Ron's like, oh my God, I can't wait to eat all the candy at Honeydukes. And Hermione's like, oh, but like also Hogsmeade has so much history. And Ron and Hermione together, that's me when I travel. (laughs) (laughs) The history and the snacks. Like that's what I'm here for. (laughs) We get a little mention of the Shrieking Shack. Yes, we do. So historical. All the history that's happened there and history yet to come perhaps. I like that it's termed the most severely haunted building in Britain, as though there's like a severity rating to haunting. (laughs) There are degrees. (laughs) There are degrees, actually. Oh, tell me more. Okay, so I live in St. Louis, which is kind of right next to Alton, Illinois, which is supposedly one of the, if not the most haunted cities in the world. And the reason I will explain why is because it was the first stop in the Underground Railroad. Oh my gosh. So think about... All of that, you know, Missouri was a, you know, Missouri was, they were a Confederate state and then Illinois was a union state. So it was like, as soon as you got over the bridge, the river, you know, you were free, but think about all the atrocities that happened with that. You know what I mean? So my God, I got chills. Yeah. I mean, it's a scary thought when you, when you break it down like that. And I really do believe that like, depending on the amount of human suffering that happens in a specific spot. I think that the energy stays. So I, I think there is a, a level of, of hauntings. So I, I went on one of the ghost tours in Alton and I've never felt as like uneasy because it was like something had been behind me and then I looked down and it had moved in front of me because the light bulb like glow that was there had disappeared. Oh my and God. like two seconds later it was gone. And then two, like maybe 20 seconds after that, someone's hair got pulled. Whoa. Oh, and that was like God. the most like eerie. And, I, and I've been in a lot of haunted places. So to answer your question, there can be levels. It just depends on the history. Do you find yourself to be more sensitive to that as a practitioner of magic? So I do have a sensitivity to it. Um, my mom has it way stronger than I do, though, because I don't see anything. I will sense things and I will hear things that other people won't hear. My mom, though, my mom will have ghosts like come into her closet like this has happened several times now people that she's known that have died have appeared to her in her closet oh my gosh wow it's like a portal i think so yeah so then this is a really stupid example it's just the first one that comes to mind so in like the sixth sense when misha barton is haunting Haley joel osmond's apartment that's a light severity haunting i would say so because it's like she's a little harmless yeah, like, you know, it's, it's you know, she's obviously sad and trying to, like, because she's unhappy with how the whole situation played out and stuff, but mm-hmm. it's uneasy and obviously, like, it's a child. And I also think that when there's a child involved, it's not as intense because they yeah. are more confused as opposed to, like, angry and whatever. Yeah, and I feel like it's harder for a child to have the kind of, like, baggage that an adult mm-hmm. spirit would have, you know, yeah. that 
Youthful innocence. So Ron is like, go ask McGonagall for a signature, whatever, so stupid. Um, And then he's like, or you could ask the twins because they know every secret passageway out of the school. Hermione's like, that's so stupid. How dare you? But like, also, this is what happens. (laughs) (laughs) Is they give him a map of all of the secret passageways in all the school. (laughs) One thing I will say is that like, so, you know, in the part where Draco shows up and he's like kind of doing his Draco thing. I was really disappointed with the insults um, because they're 13 and John Mulaney has that skit about how like 13 middle schoolers or 13 year olds will like insult you in a way that's like true. Like, look at that man with feminine hips. So <laughs> that's what was going on in my head. And I was like, really, Draco potty and the weasel. You can do that. <laughs> Come on. That sounds like the worst radio show in the whole wizarding world. Potty and the weasel. It does. <laughs> Yeah, he's like, oh, you guys are so stupid. So funny that your family won a lot of money. I didn't like it when you didn't have money. And it's also stupid that you do have money now. Oh, also Hermione lets Crookshanks out of his basket at some point, which like, I don't know what a cat basket is. Um, I think that sounds adorable. <laughs> I think it's wicker. <laughs> My cat would for sure get out of a wig. I mean, it would. he would simply rip it to shreds. He is very strong. Um, So there's a lot going on here. There's a cat. And like, yeah, right. The cat doesn't dip out the door when it opens to the hallway. Like as fucking if. (laughs) It's not how cats work. (laughs) It's like the sneakoscope should have woken up Lupin. Malfoy, Crab, and Goyle showing up should have woken up Lupin. Hermione, Harry, and Ron arriving should have woken up Lupin. But he doesn't wake up. But he doesn't need to be awake he is still scary to Draco and the gang. So they're like, wait, we'll tease you later. Just wait. I mean, maybe it's a thing where it just has to be bad enough. Like, if I take, like, sleeping medicine, like, I'll sleep through all noise, but I will for sure wake up if I have to pee. Like, if your body is in enough dis- If your body personally is in distress, I find that you wake up easier than when someone's, like, just making noise. So maybe Lupin waking up in this next bit is a reaction to his- is his body's reaction to the Dementor. Yeah, I think in. that Dementor is bad enough that it's essentially like having to pee in the middle of the night, that your body's like, <laughs> we need to be awake or something terrible will happen. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, it's raining, it's dark, the train just keeps going. It sounds so nice. I would probably be asleep at this point too, let's be perfectly honest. Yeah. The train slows down. And, like, the window frosts over. And Ron's like, oh, we must be there. And Hermione checks her watch and is like, we can't be there yet. That doesn't make any sense. The train stops. The lights turn out. It's dark. This ish is legit scary. Like, if I was in this scenario, I would be, like, paralyzed with fear. I would be paralyzed with fear. Can can you imagine being a first year on this train? Oh, my God. I, I wrote the same yeah. thing. Um, I wrote it later when they have to get into the boats in the pouring, freezing rain. It's like this whole day is a nightmare. It's like, I swear to God, this doesn't happen every time we get on the train. I do love this whole scene because it's like, it's scary, but it's also, it's silly and then it's scary, which I think is like so Harry Potter. Yeah. Um, Ron is still looking outside. He sees people. <clears throat> Humanoid figures, boarding, cloaked figures, if you will. The compartment door opens, Neville comes in. It's chaos. It's just chaos. We get a full vaudeville act here of just yeah. people like <laughs> tripping on each other and like, whoop, whoop, you. Like, oh, hey, whoop, what? 
are you Harry? Ow! No, I'm Neville! Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> How Lupin wakes up next, but, like, he... I mean, maybe he's, like, groggily coming out of it at this point, but, like, he is still sleeping. (laughs) I probably would have sat on Lupin because voices are coming from every other direction. So I for sure would have sat on my brand new teacher. (laughs) What an impression you would have made. (laughs) I'll sit on Lupin's lap. (laughs) Yeah, me too. He's one that I never had a crush on as a kid, I think, because he's quite mature. And his vibe is quite mature. But as an adult, Lupin, I I am very into it. Yeah. I guess because when I was a kid, I was able to have crushes on all these children. (laughs) (laughs) So now it's like, what? I'm going to got the Weasleys. I got Dumbledore, Lupin. Who can I have a crush on? Okay, Lupin. (laughs) No, a lot of the adults are crush worthy in their own rights, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. La la la, Jenny's there, which good for her because I can picture her being somewhere else with who knows who freaking out. And she's like, I'm going to figure this out. And then she goes, honestly, she probably it's like 50 50. She's like, I should be where Hermione is because she's sensible or I should be where Harry and Ron are because they're probably causing this trouble. (laughs) Good point. So Lupin finally wakes up. Bravo. Excellent chaperoning. You did it. Lupin has entered the chat. (laughs) He makes a little flame in his hand. Um, I guess it's probably the same spell Hermione uses for her. But, well, it doesn't say it's blue, actually. So never mind. Um, Hermione's signature flame is blue. But it's the same kind of magic. He's holding it in his hand. And he's like, I'm going to go see what's up. And I assume all the children are terrified, silent, and perfectly still. Because they're like, oh my god, there is an adult. But before Lupin can leave, the door opens. Ah, it's so scary. So actually, like, the idea of, like, having Lupin finally there just made me realize that this is just a child train. It's a train full of children that's just (laughs) speeding through the English countryside. What a terrible idea. It reminds me, okay, do you guys know? The Rugrats movie where that train full of monkeys crashes in the woods. Oh, yeah, the first one, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. That's the one where Tommy Pickles almost goes full Cain and Abel on Dill Pickles in the <laughs> woods because he has, like, the rattle and he's like, I never wanted a brother. And he's no, like, it was, no, it was a banana. It was banana, like, baby food because he was going to smear it on him so that the, the monkeys would attack. You want monkeys? Oh, okay. I give you monkeys. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I love that movie so much. That's the one where he's like, I got my sponsor-tility. Sponsor-tility. Anyway, this train crashing into the woods, similar shenanigans would ensue. The monkey shenanigans. <laughs> um, okay, so yes, it's a Dementor. <laughs> Surprise. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, it's literally the stuff of nightmares. I think what makes it so scary is that it's like humanoid. Mm-hmm. So like someone like me, I'm very nearsighted. And I would have to get so close to a Dementor to be like, that is not a human. (laughs) Yeah. Honestly, and so, because again, I haven't read these in a while. Um, Hindsight and all that, the fact that the Dementors are supposed to be like um, a metaphor for depression. This time I caught it uh, with the book. And like, there were specific things that really just like resonated with me. Like on page 83, there was... He was drowning in cold. He was being dragged downwards. Oh my God. The roaring grew louder. Um, And then Ron at one point was like, I felt weird. Like I would never be cheerful again. And I'm like, 
yeah duh like the, how, how did i miss that the first time and then i was like oh i was a kid when a kid, i read it. yeah <laughs> pre-depression us i think even people who don't suffer from chronic depression can relate to to the feeling of like where will i ever find the energy to recover from this mm-hmm. i wrote down the same quotes drowning in cold being dragged downwards the screaming i also think that is really like I almost said it's like PTSD, but I think it literally is PTSD. It's like not like it. He's reliving such a traumatic thing. Oh, my God. I was just going to ask you guys if you've heard like kind of the fan theory about the scream that Harry hears. No, tell me. I figured it would have been his mom, but. Yeah. So I think that it's, it's his mom, but I think it's also what I've heard is that like the reason that he's so affected by the Dementors is because he's not only reliving his worst memory, but he's also reliving Voldemort's worst memory <gasps> through the piece of Voldemort that's like, you know, horcruxed up in him. So I got chills when you said that. Oh my god. Yeah, I, I like really buy that. Yeah, I mean, that's the kind of thing where maybe that bitch had not yet figured out exactly how this story was going to resolve itself when it comes to the horcruxes but like that makes perfect fucking sense so he's hearing it in surround sound right right exactly that's why he passes the fuck out oh my god and i'd also forgotten that Ginny was impacted by this too but that makes sense because book two and all of the stuff yeah i think she's just feeling the like basilisk like post effects because like only Ginny and harry really have trauma, trauma of yeah. the level that results in this hermione's like i spent the summer on the coast of perry <laughs> with my lovely dentist parents um yeah it it's um yeah this is a nightmare <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible yeah well it's funny Man, I kind of, like, can't... I, I'm, i like, word vomiting right now because I'm, like, having a hard time processing that theory you just presented, Grace, and, like, just picturing just, like, a box full of children in a dark train with, like, no way out, and it's just, like, what is this thing? But it's, it's like, you don't even need to know what it is because yeah. it's, like, it's, like, meeting the devil. It's, like, oh, oh, oh this is... This is the worst thing. Mm-hmm. I'm just like imagining based on their reactions to this, how fucking awful Azkaban must be. Like, I didn't think that Azkaban was fun. And like, they always talk about it in really severe terms. And that's fine. That makes sense. But like, because, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, it's a it's a prison. It's mm-hmm. a bad prison for very bad people. But in this particular moment, you realize that like, this is what it feels like to be in Azkaban a hundred percent of the time. Well, and it's like Hagrid was there last year and he was innocent. That scene uh, that is very dramatic at the end of the Chamber of Secrets movie. It's not quite as dramatic in the book where Hagrid comes back and he's like in the Hogwarts Great Hall and everyone's clapping for him because they're so glad that he's returned. And it's like, that's the opposite of what a Dementor is. You know what I mean? And like, if I were him, I would have probably had like, like a, like a breakdown, like a, like, like a sensory overload, like emotional overload breakdown in that moment. Yeah. What if in Azkaban, they give you like a cup of hot cocoa for good behavior? Oh my God. Oh my God. 
Wow, like, what if that's what you can purchase at the prison store is just a bar of chocolate to make it feel not terrible for just five fucking minutes? I'm really really bummed out now. Yeah. <laughs> is there Sorry, a is that too dark? <laughs> no, but, like, that's probably true now that I'm thinking about it. Like, the little, uh, what is it called? I can't think. The store. There's, there's I almost said cantina. I've been watching too much Mandalorian. <laughs> I almost said concession. That's not right. <laughs> it's the commissary. Commissary, thank you. <laughs> Wait, I like both concessions and cantina better. <laughs> they make it more festive sounding. Could you imagine going to the Azkaban <laughs> cantina? Um, I'm imagining it with Star Wars cantina music. <laughs> Thank you, we're the Cantina Band. If you have any requests, shout them out. Play that same song. All right, same song. Here we go. No, 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 wait. Sorry. Sorry, I messed up. <laughs> the Azkabantina. <laughs> oh, I'm like, I'm like, there's a Halloween costume in there somewhere of like Christina Cantina. I'll think, I'll think about it. You have some time. <laughs> I have some time. Honestly, the crazy thing is that, like, a Dementor is a nightmare even without the soul-sucking stuff. I know. It's like, described as, like, you know, the hand that we see is mm-hmm. glistening and grayish, slimy-looking and scabbed, like something dead that had decayed in water. Yum. It reminded me of being fairy at the end of book six, right? And it's just, like bodies in the dark water and it's like oh my it's the humanoid things that are so much scarier like an acromantula that's scary but it's like i'm never gonna see that and i'm never gonna like mistake it for something else like it's like the humanoid aspect of the inferi and the dementors that's like why are you i don't know why are you emulating us (laughs) um so (laughs) that makes me think of twilight (laughs) on the books hard twilight stand but They're always mentioning in Twilight that the vampires, despite the fact that they're like horror shows as creatures, are like made to mimic human beings so that they like have that split second ability to like either blend in to get closer to prey or like to draw people in a little bit. And obviously these aren't like a sexy version of that. But it's one of those things where it's like in a in a society where a lot of people like wear cloaks and stuff like that, aside from the fact that the Dementors are quite large and they have this effect, they could probably put on a more human cloak and like get through a few minutes worth of being in Diagon Alley. You know what I mean? Is it a Twilight quote or a what we do in the shadows quote (laughs) where it's like, I'm the bait and the monster. I don't know. What do you know what I'm talking about? That, that is Twilight. I can't think of the exact quote, but I know what you're talking about. Okay. I couldn't find this as a Twilight quote, but I could find it as a what we do in the shadows quote. Please enjoy. We are the bait, but we are also the trap. Hello, ladies. But also, uh, I now want to play, is it Twilight or is it what we do in the shadows? Uh, and just pull a variety of quotes from each. Bonus episode. <laughs> but not you, Miramo. <laughs> I love that show. It's so good. It is. Have you seen the movie too? I haven't. Gotta. I think the last time I tried looking for it, it was only on Amazon Prime. Oh, Yeah. It is, in fact, worth paying for. I'm just going to throw it It is it definitely there. in my top three favorite movies of all time. What is the director's name? I always mispronounce it. Taika Waititi. Um, his name is pronounced Taika Waititi. I'm just, like, super on board for anything he does. Yeah. 
Totally. Um, circling back to the Mandalorian, <laughs> he works on that too. So Harry faints. Classic. This is he faints a lot um, in general, and this is by far the faintiest book. <laughs> It, it's just surprising. I guess that's like a personality trait of his because I've never. He's delicate. <laughs> I've never fainted once in my life. Although I've also admittedly not been around a lot of like, I guess, like black magic or like dark magic. But like, <laughs> also, like, I mean, it just seems. I mean, I'm not trying to fault his response, but he faints way more than the average person. He faints enough that it reads to me as a plot device as opposed to a character trait. Brooke, he is sensitive about it. <laughs> I feel like it's like a circuit breaker tripping. It's like, it's like, oh, overload. Like, it's just like, oh, faint. Gotta reset. <laughs> I've fainted a couple times before in my life. I have a little bit of a delicate constitution just because I'm on hypertension medication, which makes you prone to fainting. So I do a whole lot of standing up real fast and then grabbing onto Sean for dear life. And also, here's a funny just like side story. <laughs> um, the only other time I fainted, almost fainted, was when I was in high school and I was in statistics class and I was sitting down in class and I just started like browning out my like hearing went and my like vision went and I waited as long as I could because I didn't want to make a goddamn fool of myself in a class <laughs> where I already made a goddamn fool of myself every day trying to do statistics <laughs> and my teacher was a straight up bitch dude so finally I raised my little I was like I'm gonna faint and it's I'm gonna go on the floor and I need to give her some warning because she's like 90 pounds so she, I don't know, like, she's going to carry me. I don't know. So I raised my little hand, and I, and I remember she was like, yes, Christina, because she was, like, mid-lecture. And I, I just, like, beckoned. I was like, come close. <laughs> <laughs> and she, like, got up in my face and was like, what? And I was like, I'm going to faint. <laughs> and she was like, okay, um, just put your head down. And then she, like, went to the little classroom phone and called the nurse and was like, oh, one of my students is, like, fainting, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> And they're like, okay, we're on the way. And then I laid there with my head down and then it passed because that's just like how this shit works. And I was like, oh, um, oh, like I'm feeling better now. <laughs> and then the nurse came in with a wheelchair. Yes. But oh my, my teacher, God. my teacher was already on the phone with the clinic being like, oh, wait, my student is like, okay now. So the nurse was in the classroom with a wheelchair and then her walkie talkie was like, that student has recovered. Repeat, the student has recovered. <laughs> they were like, well, you should probably just come with us anyway. Wow. I realized that I have fainted once and it was related to a choking mishap. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. You gotta be careful. It took me a while after I had fainted to realize that I had fainted and woke up. And mm. my, uh, my husband, who now husband, who was involved in this incident... Um, realized, <laughs> realized a few steps too late that I had fainted and kind of was like, did you just like completely faint? And I was like, yeah, well, it, no, yeah, no, I think I did. And he was like, oh my God, like he was, he was horrified and I was laughing because I thought it was so funny. The only experience I think I have with with fainting or almost fainting is I was on a field trip and we had gone to see like cadavers and stuff for anatomy Ooh. class and the smell of the formaldehyde was really getting to me 
Oh and I think gosh. my teacher knew that I was like about to happen. He's like, go over there, like go, go breathe. And like, finally I like, kind of like started like being okay. Yeah. But the year before me, there was a girl who did faint and you would think instead of falling backwards, she fell forwards <gasps> into the cadaver. No. Oh, oh no. That's she planted into a cadaver. <gasps> cadaver. That's a nightmare. Oh, At least yeah. she was unconscious. Yeah, she like fainted. She was standing. She totally fainted, but instead of falling backwards, she went forward and the smell and like just landed on the cadaver. Oh, oh my was God. it was it open? Yes. Like <laughs> <laughs> in the middle of showing us like no. all of the different organs and stuff, it's like, oh, you know, this is the brain, and this don't ever pick zits in this part of the face, and wow. then like apparently just too much for her, and she fell in. Wait, there's certain parts of your face you're not supposed to pop sits on. <laughs> Christina, so, that's what you got. It's called, it's called like this triangle right here. The nose. So you're not, uh, there's a specific term for it, but you're not supposed to because there aren't blood vessels back there. Oh. So if you, it's likely that it could go up to your brain. So yeah, so I'll post know, a di- I'll post a diagram in the show stakes. notes. <laughs> Wait. Okay, so I think I have to contribute my story now. Yes, please. Yes. Okay. Yeah, okay, so um. I ate a really, really, really big cookie for breakfast. <laughs> Was it just a like, weed cookie? Nope. Just just regular cookie. Classic Peanut butter, grace. chocolate chip. Very delicious. It was a very large. And then I went to go take a shower. Shower is really hot. And I guess, like, my blood sugars just, like, dropped out or something, and I fainted in the shower, which is just the most vulnerable position to be in, like, ever. I came to just, like, water kind of hitting my face. (laughs) And I was fine. I didn't drown. (laughs) Where were you? Like, like, what house? I was, like, at at my house, at my mom's house. Oh my Grace, don't eat cookies for breakfast. Was anybody there? Was anybody here just a thud and they were like, whoa, what's going on? Yeah, and that's the thing is that like like I was taking a shower, so I had like, please don't come in here. I'm like in the shower. So like I mean I came to really quickly. It was just one of those things where you just like you fall over and you're like, Oh what the, the <laughs> fuck? And uh I think the water was helpful because it kinda woke me up a little bit. <laughs> um but like 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 my mom was like knocking on the door. She's like, "Um, sweetie, are are you okay in there?" I'm like, "It's Thank fine. God. I'm fine. Please, it's fine." <laughs> it's good to know that she will come because that's a great fear of mine. Because I, know. I, as I might have mentioned a thousand times on this podcast, am extraordinarily like blind. Like my vision is so bad, and glasses don't go in the shower. So when I'm in the shower, I'm operating completely off of muscle memory. I've yelled at Sean before for putting my shampoo in a different place because then I lose it, right? I, like, can't get to it. Where is it? I don't know. (laughs) And, like, I drop things a lot in the shower because I can't see. And I'm, like, bonking stuff down. And it's, like, a do-do-do. And, like, Sean is, like, in the other room just, like, not reacting at all. And I'm, like, what if this was my body? (laughs) Well, that was such a good little aside of all the faints we've ever done. (laughs) Suffice it to say that Harry does, in fact, faint more than the average person. (laughs) If you're a fainter, hit us up. Tell us your story. (laughs) So Harry wakes up, much like Grace did on the floor of her shower. (laughs) The lights are on. The train is moving. Harry is on the floor. Everything, it's like kind of chaotic. Everyone's like looking at him and like, that's nerve wracking. He's like, who screamed? Who's in danger? And it's like, no one screamed, Harry. 
that's in your head. Which, which that's is like gotta so be bad. a flashback to last year where it's like, I keep hearing this murder voice and people are Ugh. like, that's deeply in your head. And now he's like on the floor like, there was someone screaming and everyone's probably like, is there a snake somewhere that was really <laughs> afraid of this Dementor? Well, we've previously talked about what is the plumbing situation on the train. And now at the time, that was a very silly conversation, but now it's deadly serious. <laughs> Are there pipes on the train? Is there a basilisk on the Hogwarts Express? <laughs> I'm imagining just a basilisk, like, <laughs> screaming in snake <laughs> at the scared. presence of a Dementor. <laughs> I took a sip of my beer at the wrong time. <laughs> that one made me laugh so hard. <laughs> what do we think a snake scream sounds like? <laughs> like thinking of a sound. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm now imagining the basilisk wearing a conductor's hat and some sunglasses sitting in the conductor's seat just trying to look real cool. It's like, I belong here. Don't even worry about me. <laughs> that wasn't me screaming, what? <laughs> He's just really afraid of Dementor. <laughs> Bitch, you fainted. <laughs> Lupin's like, here's some chocolate um, and hands it to Harry. Harry's brain's all befuddled. Dude, no one eats the chocolate. I have accepted chocolate off of strangers <laughs> at house parties and immediately yeah. put it in my mouth. Put it in your mouth and then you're like, does this have wheat in it? And uh, it doesn't matter. It's already in my mouth. <laughs> many, many times. I've put it in my mouth. I've been like, now that I've chewed it, this wasn't <laughs> drugs, right? Um, Lupin explains that a dement what they just witnessed was a dementor and a dementor is a guard of azkaban which is important because we've heard about these guards of azkaban a lot and everyone fucking hates them and it's like oh we thought y'all were being dramatic but it is now evident that you were not being dramatic enough about how god-awful these creatures are lupin goes to speak with the driver and Ron and Hermione kind of explained to Harry what happened. Harry, in Ron's words, had like a sort of fit, like a seizure, I think is what it probably looked like. It probably really was like the equivalent of someone physically reacting to like a really bad dream, you know, like, and then Lupin tried to tell the Dementor that we're not hiding serious Black here. Like, don't even worry about it. none of us are that guy. But the Dementor didn't listen. So Ron describes what we know as the Patronus charm. Lupin does a what I picture to be a little baby Patronus. Mm-hmm. And it made the Dementor leave. So if a full Patronus, like, straight up charges a Dementor, I'm imagining a baby Patronus just, like, shooting out of his wand and then just, like, nudging the Dementor a little bit. <laughs> like a hummingbird? Yeah. Just like, beep, 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 beep. <laughs> or just, like, that thing that, like, cats do when they want you to feed them, where they start just, like, bumping their head into your legs, and then they're just like, you need to be in a different place right this minute. <laughs> My cat would, like, touch my face when he was trying to get me to feed him. You know how you put your food in your face? I would also like food in my face. (laughs) Yeah. My cat would do this thing where he would, like, bop my nose. And I would be like, I'm sleepy. And I would try and sleep again. Then he'd be more aggressive. And sometimes the nails would come out. So (laughs) Now I want to see a cat Patronus just booping a Dementor. (laughs) (laughs) Um, my cat just screams at me when she's hungry. Um, so Ginny's really fucked up. We kind of talked about this earlier. Other than Harry, she is by far the most fucked up. 
Yeah. So I was really jealous of Hermione in this moment, actually, because so Jenny's like starts crying and Hermione immediately just goes over and like puts an arm around her and stuff. And I thought back to like the thing with like Molly at the beginning of this chapter. Hermione is getting to build the most like beautifully natural relationship with her in-laws that you will ever get. (laughs) How dare you? Oh, so beautiful. You know what I mean? Like, she gets to have this, like, gorgeous, gentle relationship with her in-laws that is born out of, like, true friendship, love, and protection. And I I would love that. And I have a great relationship with my in-laws. But, like, I mean, how awesome would that be? Well, yeah. Hermione and Jenny really form a very genuine friendship over the next couple years that doesn't make it into the movies. Obviously, we don't have time for that. But, like, they're, they're like... The girls, they're the girls, you know? Okay, so imagine that your son is Ronald Weasley. (laughs) And he brings home Hermione Granger. Molly and Arthur spend this whole time up through the end of book seven being like, I swear to God, Ron better get his shit together because wouldn't it be great if Hermione liked him? (laughs) I mean, not to overstate myself, but that was exactly the reaction that occurred when my husband first brought me home. (laughs) Um, My husband has been on this podcast before. Super Gryffindor has just like had a wild ride, had a few run-ins with the law. Like he was a, a problem child to the extreme. And when he brought me home, at first, his parents, like, weren't even interested in meeting me because they were like, if you're just going to bring another girl home and then we're never going to see her again, like, we're just not interested this time. Aww. And, like, when he finally brought me over, they were like, keep her. Whatever you do, you must keep this woman. <laughs> and now you're married. Yeah. Beautiful. I feel great about it. Speaking from a Hermione perspective on this one, it's like, I can, I can do no wrong. It's awesome. My in-laws love me. They give me gifts and nothing to Michael. Like, <laughs> that's kind of hilarious. What were we talking about? Uh, my next note is, didn't any of you fall off your seats? And I just like, why did you phrase it that way? <laughs> he doesn't want to say fainting because he's not delicate. He didn't faint. He didn't faint. <laughs> He just fell off his seat, okay? Just like he just fell down, which I think is like way more embarrassing to be like completely cognizantly falling out of your chair. (laughs) Lupin comes back. He's like, Harry, you really need to eat that chocolate. And Harry does so immediately and like feels better right away. So Mm -hmm. chocolate for the win. They finally get to Hogsmeade Station. Thank God. Yeah, it's freezing rain. Hagrid is there to collect the first years. We already talked about the poor fucking first year. It's just like a nightmare, total nightmare. Surely they give them umbrellas or they cast a... Surely there is a water repellent spell in this universe. I refuse to believe that there is not. There yeah. is because they use it, but I don't I don't know that it would have been used in this instance. No, you get wet. That's the Hogwarts experience. <laughs> That's the Hogwarts way. This is the way. Get used to it. For the very first time, we see the horseless coaches that take the students to school, the carriages. They are being, as we know, pulled by Thestrals, which are currently invisible to Harry, even though, did he witness his mom die? I think so, but I guess not. Right. His eyes were closed. You'd take a little nappy. <laughs> Brooke has her, like, puzzle-solving face like, on. <laughs> Sorry, I was just thinking what through that. What is it, that. girl? What do you see? No, I was just thinking through that. I was like, I, and then I was like, I guess, and this is sounds stupid because like babies don't know that much, but like if I knew I was about to die 
and I was holding my child in my arms, I would, I realized that I would make sure that the kid didn't see me die. Like I would turn them away or like cover their face. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> Brooke, oh my God, please. <laughs> well, it makes me think of, did any of you watch Dexter? Yes. Yes. Okay. So, you know, when he was younger, like he, it explains that like his mom was murdered and he was basically found in like a pool of her blood and stuff. Oh, yeah. And he turned out to be a murderer. (laughs) Even though you're a baby, like those memories still get put in there, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and I think that sometimes it's even worse because you can't process them when you're, when you're an adult because you're thinking the thoughts of a baby. So, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously we don't turn to the movies in times like this, but in the movies, Harry is like up on the bars, like eyes wide open like mummy (laughs) well then i'm also wondering if that might be why he passes out like if you're experiencing your worst memory and his worst memory is his mom getting killed and she had maybe like covered his eyes or turned him away in the crib or something like that while that was occurring then like and then he obviously got cursed and then probably passed out to some degree i i wonder if that's like connected you know wow yeah I also think that it's valid that if someone, even a normal, a normal non-magical person having a normal non-magical breakthrough of this degree, I think fainting would be an appropriate response to that, to uncovering like a latent memory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Basically, Harry, no one can blame you. Stop being so defensive. <laughs> Malfoy starts teasing Harry for fainting. They're like getting off their carriages and Malfoy's like, you fainting little bitch, basically. Dude, the fuck, Neville? Why you gotta be a I snitch know. like that? Yeah, I was like, why would Neville ever say anything? What the hell? Yeah. I could see Neville saying something to try to make himself sound better. Like, oh, I was really afraid, but like Harry full on fainted. Oh, yeah. I think Draco overheard Neville maybe telling like, Mm-hmm. Like lavender and Parvati or whatever. But like also why? Like shut your damn mouth. This is not concerning wow, yeah. you. No, he's an idiot. Oh, you fainted, Potter, is long bottom telling the truth. You actually fainted. Well, yeah. Well, and honestly, the reason Malfoy is doing this right now, I one hundred percent is a cover for his own fear. He's like right. he's like, Oh, oh yeah. I'm afraid. Well, I'm gonna you were more afraid, so fuck you. And then Lupin saves the day again, and he's like, oh, I'm a teacher, and I'm awake now, so. Fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> um, what is that? There, have you guys seen The Good Place? Yes. <laughs> There's that meme of Chidi that's like, oh, shit. It's like, shut up, I'm confident now. But it's like, shut up, I'm awake now. <laughs> Okay, so we enter the school, we get a little reminder of, like, what the entrance hall looks like, we get descriptions of, like, everything, we get description of McGonagall, and, like, blah, blah, So McGonagall intercepts the trio and is like, I need to speak with Harry and Hermione, and Ron's like, okay, well, I guess I continue to be chopped liver, I'll just go eat, <laughs> oh, you're no. lucky I love eating. <laughs> I mean, Ron literally stands there for a second, like, but I don't have a personality without the... <laughs> <laughs> What am I going to sue with Neville? We're mad at him. He was blabbing about how Harry fainted. <laughs> so they go to McGonagall's office. McGonagall says that Lupin sent an owl ahead to say that Harry had been sick, which why do you think Lupin did that? To warn them, probably just make them aware of the fact that Harry's like dealing with some of the dark shit in his past. Yeah, I think it might have also been like, uh, by the way, train uh taken over by dementors oh true yeah also yeah. <laughs> harry had a hard time <laughs> no you're probably right it probably was a ps situation yes <laughs> ps harry is unwell <laughs> is he always like this 
James was much hardier. <laughs> One thing I will say about, like, because, you know, when they're in McGonagall's office, Madame Pomfrey comes in. And the fact that she had stated that it's like, you know, the, uh, she, she said something along the lines of like, oh, we have a defense against the dark arts teacher who knows his remedies. And I'm just saying that seems unsafe. You know, that seems like you're fucking a dumb and they don't provide aftercare. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know how if you're in that type of position where like kids are going to be dealing with hard shit like that, like difficult magic. You wouldn't hire someone who knows like the basics. Well, I think that Madame Pomfrey is the one who knows. And it's like, wouldn't it be nice if our Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher also knows? But for sure, Pomfrey knows. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like, why would you hire someone that wouldn't know the basics? Because it's like... Because the position's cursed. Oh, you're right. You're, you're right. <laughs> Dumbledore hires this position by drawing names out of a hat. He hired Lockhart because he was like, I think this guy's a fake and I want to keep an eye on him. And that's canon. <laughs> Yep, that's real. <laughs> Which, that's a problem with Dumbledore, <laughs> okay? <laughs> that moment does give us a nice little bit of foreshadowing into us, like, immediately being able to trust Lupin and trust the things that he says. Because yes. he's being immediately set up as an intensely knowledgeable character. And he is he is a character, a, l- a lot of characters are this way, especially people in the Order, but he is one of the main characters who, like, never, ever wavers in his, like, loyalty and, like, where his head's at, you know, like, we as the reader and Harry can always count on him until, I almost said until the very end. (laughs) It hurts. (laughs) Um, Okay, great. Um, Also, I have a very important note. Okay. McGonagall calls Madame Pomfrey Poppy. Her name is Poppy Pomfrey. Poppy Pomfrey! I know. I feel like it's too cute, though. I love it. I babysit a three-year-old named Poppy, so... She's the one who hates me so much. Wait, it's my favorite. Tell us a little bit. Well, there's there's two (laughs) funny stories about how much Poppy hates me. One is that she... One day when I got there, she was in her troll movie costume, which is like a pink princess dress with a troll wig. And she hates me so much that she was just like wandering around her house, like whining and wailing like a ghost, just kind of like floating around in her troll outfit, just like... <laughs> Keening, if you will. <laughs> and the other one is the day that she hated me so much, she just put her little butt to bed. She was like, I'd rather be unconscious than look at your stupid face. <laughs> Have you tried exposing her to a Dementor and then giving her chocolate to build her trust? Oh, that mm. would probably that would work. She's like, I have nowhere to turn. <laughs> <laughs> what did you do to this child to make her not like you so much? I'm her first babysitter ever. It's the literally, it's just the fact that I'm not the mama. Not the mama. Not the mama. Not the mama. Got it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sorry, girl. Sorry about it. She's very cute. And her name Poppy really suits her. Madame Pomfrey's kind of severe, so. Yeah. Madame Pomfrey is like, don't even worry, Harry. Dementors have an effect on delicate people just like the worst thing you could ever say to him Uh, yeah a 13 year old gryffindor (laughs) don't call him delicate (laughs) well and then he's like i'm not delicate and she goes of course you aren't yeah right (laughs) (laughs) she knows well because i think when she's talking about delicate people i think she's mostly talking to mcgonagall in that line right yeah and then and then she's like oh yeah i guess you're here too (laughs) (laughs) He is very adamant. He's like, I'm fine. Please stop touching me. Stop looking at me. Because Madame Pomfrey's like checking him all over. She's, He's like, you got to stop. 
I'm fine. Like, fuck, fuck right off, basically. So McGonagall's like, okay, fine. Go wait outside. I need to speak with Hermione about her schedule. Or as our book says, Grace, about her timetable. Oh, yeah. You mean time time turner. Time turner, yeah. <laughs> to me, a times table is like when you're learning multiplication tables. Didn't yes. we have another weird word last book for their like class schedule? Um, No, it was revising instead of studying. Oh, oh right, right, right. So, um, yeah, Hermione gets given her time turner at this time. <laughs> Turn turner. <laughs> I will say that I think it is a mistake to just give her the time turner, like, to have on her at all times. Like, I would imagine that is a thing that she should have to sign out and return on a daily basis. Yeah. Or McGonagall's like, you have to do this right in front of me. You know what I mean? Or like go into the closet so I'm, I don't get time turner. You know what I mean? Like something yeah. like that. But like you're giving, I, I understand it's Hermione, but we know a few things. Hermione is 13 years old and she is friends with Ron and Harry. Yeah. Why would you just carte blanche hand this kid a time turner? Here you go. Let's see how this goes. <laughs> <laughs> and is there precedence for this? Like, is this a thing that Hogwarts has done before and it's just like a form you need to fill out? Or do you think it's a specialty Ugh. thing that Hermione read about, figured out, and asked for? I don't know, because Time Turner, Time Turner technology exists in the Department of Mysteries. So I think that this is a rare, unusual, special thing. Uh-huh. I just gave three synonyms that kind of all mean the same thing. But it really, we believe you even more now. I think, I guess what I'm saying is that, like, if it's in the Department of Mysteries, it's not, like, standard magic, you know? Right. Yeah. It's experimental magic. (laughs) They finally go down to the Great Hall for the feast. They missed the sorting, but it's okay because no one got sorted this year that we care about. Dumbledore starts to speak. He's like, there's going to be Dementors here. It sucks and I'm mad. Um, just so you know, school at large, not talking to anyone in particular, <laughs> invisibility cloaks don't work on the Dementors, so don't even try it. He basically is like, the Dementors, like, aren't discerning. They don't listen to the, your excuses. They they don't care. So don't give them a reason to fuck you up. Kind of like cops, maybe? <laughs> no. I mean, literally, they are like prison guards. Having once in a, I can only say, fit of just complete self-worthlessness dated a prison guard. Oh. Uh, they Me too. I feel you. Yeah? Okay, no, you tell your prison guard estimation because I'm sure <laughs> it's the same. Okay, so it's weird because I, I'd known this guy in college and like he became a prison guard like post that and... It's kind of almost like military people where you get that vibe where it's like, I do what I'm told and I care about like, you know, the rest of my group and stuff. And like, it's like, it almost seems like they give the vibe like it's them against the world. You know what I mean? Yep. It's them against the world. And they don't seem to see the prisoners as people. Yes. Yeah. To kind of bring it back a little bit, but like the, the, like with the Dementors being prison guards, it's similar in a way because obviously there are some people in prisons who have done terrible fucking things. But mm-hmm. like, I have always felt that when I've interacted with prison guards, they do in a way like feed off the misery that they're creating. 
Mm-hmm. And so I, I can't help but feel that Dementors are just straight up based on prison guards. Like, Well, here's the difference, is no one is claiming that the Dementors are trying to reform anyone. Right. <laughs> That's the difference. It's like, oh, we're here to suck your soul. And I just wish people would be more upfront when they want to suck other people's souls. Yeah, like, just ask. Or, like, <laughs> let people know, like, hey, I'm going to start commencing to suck your soul, okay? Like, <laughs> Wait, I think it would actually be really funny to see, we're circling back to vampires, some kind of conflation of the blood sucking with the need to be invited. It's like, oh, I'm sorry, I need, like, consent before I can suck your blood. Wouldn't that just be the reason that, like, succubi exist? <laughs> oh. Well, a succubi is a demon. It's a demon that has sex with people, right? Yes, yeah. So it's a female demon that has sex with people, and then the incubi is the male version of that. Yes, that is correct. Also, okay, so... Side note, did you know that there's a there's a term called, I think it's champion, and I could be pronouncing that wrong, but that's the product of a human and an incubus or a succubus? Oh. Have you heard of that? Uh-uh. The, the only reason I'm passing familiar with it is because of Twilight. Fair. <laughs> but please explain. So apparently you can have sex with a demon, or so they claim, and there can be a product of that. And it's funny to me because when I was reading about it, it was like, it doesn't necessarily have to be like, it could be like a succubus and an incubus had sex. And then after that, they had sex, one of them had sex with a human, probably the incubus because someone, you know, the woman would have to get pregnant and that's a possibility. And I'm just like, whoa, I mean, I don't have sex with demons, so I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably a good rule of thumb for us all. Yeah, I think so too. (laughs) Wow, there's no good way to segue back into this chapter, but um, Hogwarts gets two new teachers. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing I really loved about like rereading this chapter is like all of those things are like, you know, as a kid, you didn't realize it. And they're talking um, about Dumbledore at one point. It's like he was often described as the greatest wizard of the age, but that wasn't the reason why Harry respected him. I'm just like, mm, and I'm like, oh, you know, just the fact that he hid his bad guy behavior for so long. Yeah. yeah. I have problems with Dumbledore. I don't know. I don't like the fact that he groomed a 13-year-old kid. To die. Yeah. I think that's fair. To willingly walk into the arms of death. Right. Right. I'm with you. No, yeah. he's, he's bad. <laughs> <laughs> Not good at all. Okay, so Lupin, new teacher, yay! Ron directs our attention to Snape, who is glaring at Lupin. It was beyond anger. It was loathing. And Ron and Harry obviously think it's because Snape wants that job. But Harry recognizes it as the same look Snape uses when he looks at him, as we know, seeing James Potter. Only children who have never had a job before think that people would develop that level of hate or envy over employment. Yeah. You know, like I've never really hated someone because they are working in a different hellhole. You know, like, you know, grown up shit, like uh, grownups get mad about job stuff. (laughs) What do people get competitive over as adults? I don't know. Probably jobs. Who gets the last (laughs) piece of cornbread? (laughs) our food appears magically we have no needs we're learning to do infinite magic and we're assuming that this guy is pure evil because he looks funny (laughs) yeah i mean snape's probably really mad that lupin's here but also lupin's the only one who ever kind of tried to like rein in james and sirius so I, i think that 
I think that Snape lets his anger blind him. Both in the past, he let that happen, and like now looking at the past. It's like the opposite of rose-colored glasses. It's like rage-colored glasses. (laughs) (laughs) It's my favorite color. (laughs) (laughs) That's definitely like a nail polish or a lipstick color somewhere. Oh, yeah. You know it is. So, and then also Professor Kettleburn, the Care of Magical Creatures teacher has retired, quote, to enjoy more time with his remaining limbs. God bless Professor Kettleburn. Surely this is a jerk-off joke, right? Like, he's counting it down. He's He's got one arm and only three fingers left, and he's like, if I lose the last three fingers, I will feel nothing. I'm just gonna retire to the countryside, jerk myself into oblivion, and enjoy what meager savings I've scraped together being a teacher at this god-awful school. That's exactly how I interpreted it. (laughs) I like really unusually wholesomely pictured him like running around with his grandchildren and like swinging them around and stuff. How would you have kids if you work at Hogwarts? Good question. It seems like they live there. So. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. I guess I kind of just realized that every single teacher is single and Dumbledore's single. It's like becoming a nun. Mm -hmm. I mean, like I would like to think that if you had a spouse, they could come live there. Also, it's really limiting for the spouse, but if they were a teacher or a writer or something, they could make it work. Or if they worked in Hogsmeade. Do we think that commuting is an option though? Like, are people through powder in to like come to work and then Mm. go home at the end of the day? Like, I think in a world where Harry Potter isn't at this school and there's not 1 million security threats every school year, I think that that would be a possibility. But for example, this year with Sirius Black, I don't think that would have been a possibility. Yeah. We know that there are very few ways you can enter and leave Hogwarts, right? That's why we have to do the whole train nonsense. But Sirius Black does flu powder his head into the Gryffindor common room at some point. You can flu and you can apparate to Hogsmeade and walk. Okay. There might be the option that people are commuting. There's an option. Well, and then there's the feast, and then after the feast, they go to congratulate Hagrid, and then after that, they go to the common room, and they go to bed. Good night. We did it. That's the end of the chapter. (laughs) (laughs) Harry is home at last. He is home at last. Was there anything about this chapter that we didn't touch on that y'all wanted to talk about? Those were all my notes. I think we did a pretty good job. Yeah, this was a long one. Yeah. Oh, I did want to touch on the fact that part of the reason that Hagrid's able to have this job is because of the events of Chamber of Secrets. Oh, you think it's like a consolation job? No, 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 because they they mentioned that his name was finally cleared. The reason he's able to have this job is because they were able to finally clear his name that he was not the person who (laughs) opened the Chamber of Secrets. So I guess we'll give you this job? Yeah, he's no longer like a criminal in hiding. Yeah, they're like, we can't... God, they should let him get his GED. (laughs) (laughs) I'm thinking that, actually. Like, why can't he take night classes and, like, you know, finally get, like, his wizard studies, like, done? Because he wasn't guilty either time, you know? And let him get a wand. Yeah. Right. Wow. Okay, justice for Hagrid. Wait, isn't his wand inside of the umbrella, though? The umbrella is like a training wheels wand. It's like not... I think he points and is like, hope this does what I want it to. Well, and it's like, it's not like it would be hard considering he fucking lives and works at the school. Like, why not let him sit in on some classes and take some owls and like join wizarding society in a meaningful manner? He's making friends with 13 year olds because he has no one. Yeah. 
I mean, think about how weird it is for like adults to go back to college, you know? So the idea of like this adult in a class with a bunch of kids might be what's keeping him like, no. I'm I'm on the record as having a lot of problems with Hagrid. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The older you get, the worse his decisions are. <laughs> he's like, he's over-invested in relationship with children because he does not seem to have any adult friends or real friends or anything else in the wide, wide world. He yeah. lives and works in Hogwarts, but they're not letting him have like a real place in the castle. Like the teachers, they give him what appears to be a hut that he built with his bare hands in like the backyard. And so it's like, hey, like part of the reason for this has been that he was essentially accused of like assistant murder, assisted murder, basically. Assistant murder. I'm trying to think of like what it would be, and I'm only thinking of like basketball, how they like do an assist where it's like you don't really make the basket, but you helped a lot. (laughs) But so like he's he's basically murder by proxy might be better. So he's basically been accused of murder by proxy, and that's the only reason that this sad, sad life has become his reality. And so if his name has been cleared, why are we not doing everything we can to help him? rejoin society because he's half giant and we're racist not us the um other the, someone else not, <laughs> no 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 you I said it was you <laughs> <laughs> i feel like also dumbledore wants him there because then he can just be like hey you want to like clean some stuff because hagrid is like infallibly i don't know if i use that word right unwaveringly loyal to dumbledore he's loyal to yeah. dumbledore to a fault i would say oh yeah all right well are we ready to move to some plugs Sure. Bex, will you go first? Yeah. So um, if you want to keep up with me, you can check out my podcast. It is Tutia Bruja, and you can find it everywhere that you find podcasts. It focuses on the um, just kind of focusing on practitioners of color, because anytime you see practitioners of color, they're either like side characters or like their whole role is basically just to like help the main characters yeah. or they don't get like full storylines. See Rochelle in the craft, right? Everyone else had like storylines. It's like, what is Rochelle's, what's going on in Rochelle's life? Racism. She deserved more. Um. So yeah, anyway, check out Lutia Bruja. You can check out my website, which is uh, com. So if you would like a tarot reading or you're looking for a podcast editor, reach out. Hell yeah. And what's something you've been like watching, reading, playing, experiencing lately that you would like to recommend? The Queen's Gambit's really good. If you have not watched that, I highly suggest it. Also an appearance by uh, none other than Mr. Dudley Dursley. Yeah, yes. Awesome. Grace, will you go next? Sure. Today, I'm going to plug a YouTube channel that I've been listening to a lot throughout like the work from home situation. It's called Ambient Worlds. And it's just like really nice. It's a it's like a mix of like, just like the sounds from different environments and also like music and that kind of thing. They have a whole Harry Potter like playlist. So there's like all these different videos that are like hours long that are like rainy nights at Hogwarts and like all the different Hogwarts common rooms and stuff like that. So if you need like some like background noise and that kind of thing, but things without like lyrics and stuff, this is really good. Hell yeah. Brooke, what about you? I'm also going to plug a YouTube channel I've been watching a lot of. He's also on Facebook and Instagram, but it's Hexchen. He is a drag queen that remakes dolls 
like he like takes all of the like hair off and the clothes off and like the face paint off and like redraws faces and like makes wigs and clothes for like dolls into like characters from like cartoons and your childhood and anime and book series and stuff like that it's incredible to watch the transformations that he does and it's like a a cool mix of like this is awesome and like weirdly soothing to watch someone like doing that many tiny details hell yeah that's one of those things in my facebook like videos feed i have like three kinds of videos that pop up it's cake decorating weird recipes and for some reason doll transformations (laughs) and like they pop up i watch them and then my algorithm is like yes you love this so it gives me more so can confirm it is weirdly soothing and very cool you can find me on instagram at passion for parks you can find me on twitter at grumpy brook I've been your host, Christina. You can follow me on Instagram at your girl of the world. You can follow me on Twitter at Tina Fontina. And this week I'm going to plug, I hate plugging like really mainstream like blockbuster shit because it's like, you've heard about it already. But can I just say The Mandalorian? You should watch it. It's very good. I like it a lot. There was a lot of big reveals this season. What is it? I don't know. Who's here? Oh, is that what's going on? What's it? What's his name? Is that a lightsaber? What? What's under the helmet? I don't know. Do we see? I don't know. Where are we? Are we in the desert? Is the ship going to be okay? I don't know. And if that doesn't sell you on it, I don't know what will. (laughs) If you have watched season two, hit me up because I'm really having a hard time digesting it. Uh, And if you have been thinking about watching it, just fucking watch it, okay? All right. All right. Bex, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This is such a blast. Good. I'm so glad. I love making new nerdy friends to talk about nerdy shit with. It's just, you know, that's that's what life's all about. Yeah, for sure. Well, until next week, get the fuck off my train. Oh, my God, a Dementor, get off my train. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> The Restricted section was created by me, Christina Kahn, based on the book series by J.K. Rowling. Theme music by Ryan Kahn. Logo by Michael Hardison. Be sure to like our Facebook page, The Restricted Section Podcast. Join our Facebook group, The Restricted Section Detention Crew. Follow us on Instagram at Restricted Section Pod and on Twitter at Restricted Pod. If you want to join our Discord server, shoot a message to one of our socials and I'll get you connected. You can also email us at restrictedsectionpod at gmail.com with thoughts, feelings, complaints, or even lavish praise. Until next time, potheads. This is a great time to bring up the fact that I'm basically married to Remus Lupin sans werewolf persona. Just like a gentle gentleman. Oh, I guess the word gentle is in the word gentleman. <laughs> Sweater vest, a nice part in his hair, just like combed nicely, you know? A salt and pepper look to him. Yeah, just like a little facial hair. Just like, just, just scruffy enough that it's not, but still, so just, I love it. Mm. Daddy Lupin. <laughs>